When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and lost and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officials over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi Heroath, opposite Baal Zephron. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible with you, please turn to Exodus chapter 13 and 14. Well, our story opens with Moses and the Israelites, probably about two millions of them in strength, heading out of Egypt on their way to the Promised Land. God not only demonstrated his sovereignty over all of creations, and his superiority over the false gods of the land of Egypt to a series of plates. He literally broke Pharaoh's will and changed his heart. The tenth plate, the death of the firstborn of Egypt, was a final blow that caused Pharaoh to cave in and let the Israelites go. The point of the templates and miraculous great sea crossing was to demonstrate the incredible power of God on behalf of his chosen people. The result of this great display would be that God's name would be declared throughout the whole world and that there would be a reputation associated with his name. Now first, the background of Exodus 13. It was likely that it took less than seven days for the Israelites to reach the Red Sea crossing 
after leaving Egypt. They traveled day and night without setting camp. An estimated 2 million people dragged with their meager belongings across the desert. They started out in a hurry and gone without rest. When they finally did set up camp, they came at Atom at the edge of the wilderness. That is verse 20 of chapter 13. Verses 21 and 22 tell us that the Lord went in front of them in a pillar of cloud by day and led them all along the way and in a, and a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they might travel by day and by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. The Lord was leading them and guiding his people all the way. In chapter 14, God did something very extraordinary. He directed the Israelites to turn back and came in front of Pahahiroth by the sea. That is verses 1 and 2. They were only mountains to the west towards Egypt and water to the east. There was a large plain on which the Israelites could set up camp. This place has no escape route. There was no way out. They were trapped and boxed in and had become sitting ducks for Pharaoh and his army. He had closed off the escape route. Why? Why would God do such a thing? God was setting a trap for proud Pharaoh, who got reports from his forts and outposts throughout the land. He heard that the Israelites perhaps had lost their way and were trapped in a vulnerable position. One in which they were walled in with bags to the sea. The change in direction led Pharaoh to think that the Israelites were confused and were wandering in the wilderness like lost sheep. So he changed his mind and decided to pursue these escaped slaves. He took 600 pig chariots and all of the others in the army to pursue the Israelites. God was working behind the scenes to accomplish his sovereign purpose. He would accomplish his goal of destroying Pharaoh and his army once and for all, and thus be glorified as the one mightier than the mightiest empire on earth. That is verses 3 and 4. Now verse, verses 10 to 20 tell us that the Israelite scouts on the mountain suddenly reported the Pharaoh and his army were approaching the camp. Oh my. The Israelite became alarmed and began to complain and cry out to the Lord. They were angry 
that they had escaped slavery only to now face death. They blamed Moses for bringing them out of Egypt. They thought it would have been better to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. That is verses 11 and 12. Moses said to the people in verse verses 13 and 14, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again forever. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to stand still. God said to Moses in verses 15 and 16, Stop crying out to me and lead the people to take a step of faith and move forward. Lift up your staff and stretch towards the sea and divide the waters that the Israelites may go into the sea on dry ground. So God told Moses that the Egyptian army would follow the Israelites into the path through the sea. But God was going to use it for his honor and glory. That is verses 17 and 18. And in verses 19 and 20, God commanded the angels who had been going before the camp of the Israelites to move behind them then stand between the Egyptians and the Israelites. God put darkness on the Egyptian side, but light on the side of the Israelites, even at night. Now, let's continue in verses 21 to 21. Verses 21 to 22 tell us that then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on the right, their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after the Israelites. But God threw the Egyptians into confusion and caused their chariot wheels to swerve and caused them to drive with difficulty. The Egyptians were so scared that they attempted to turn back, but it was too late. That is verses 23 to 25. The Lord told Moses to stretch forth his hand again. And this time, the waters receded and Pharaoh and all his army perished in the midst of the sea. That is verses 26 to 28. Now what are the implications and challenges we can learn from this morning passage? First, God is with his people. 
One of the great lessons we learn from the book of Exodus as a whole is that God is present with his people. As Christians, the great comfort, the greatest comfort we can have as we journey through life in the presence is the presence of the Lord is always with us. Listen to the promise of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Jesus promised us in Matthew chapter 28 verse 20, which is very familiar to many of us. I am with you always to the end of the age. Second, God directs his people. One of the most obvious things we see in this morning text is that God is clearly in charge throughout the journey of Exodus. Through his presence in the pillars of ground and fire, he is giving his people direction. And their deliverance depended upon them following his direction. Notice three specific things which we can learn about God's guidance as we consider his guidance of Israelites, uh, the Israel out of Egypt. A. God positioned us where he wants us to be, not where we want to be. He wanted to position the Israelites to where he was their only hope, to where they would not be delivered if he did not deliver them. B, God's direction is not always the easiest way. If we are following God's direction, we must go where he tells us and do as he says. See, God's direction always requires faith. No doubt. After a reversal in direction, the people began to question whether or not Moses knew what he was doing. Make no mistake about it. Whenever you are trying to follow God, there will always be those who are more than ready to offer you their advice. There will always do those, be those who think that they know a better way than the one God has given you. The temptation when we find ourselves in that predicament is to be just like the Israelites of to begin murmuring, grumbling and complaining, starting to look backwards and blaming God for not making everything easy and calling his love into questions for allowing us to struggle and suffer. It is important to note that more dif- the more difficult the situation is, the more we need to trust him. Third, God 
delivers his people. The central theological truth of this passage is that God is the deliverer. I don't know what the Egyptians means to you in your life today. It could be sickness. It could be financial trouble. It could be family strife and turmoil. Or it could perhaps be people who are trying to destroy your life, attacking your ministry. Or it could be a habit or an addiction that you haven't been able to conquer. You have been enslaved, tormented by the Egyptians in your life. You have tried to flee from them, yet they are in hot pursuit of you. You are trapped, boxed in, and can find no way out. Whatever it is, may you hear the voice of God saying, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Listen, what Jesus has done for you some 2,000 years ago by destroying the greatest enemy in the world. Hebrew chapter 2 verses 14 and 15 tell us that through his death, Jesus had destroyed the one who had the power of death. That was the devil and freed those who all their life were held in slavery by the fear of death. Claim the promise of God and trust in Him today. Fourth, God is your strength. We too often try to do things in our own strength for God. We all too often live life in our own strength and through our own resources. We even do church through our own abilities. We rarely dream dreams big enough that only God can accomplish them. We find it easier to rely on what we can do and not on what only God can do. Exodus 14 verses 13 and 14 say, Do not be afraid, stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will accomplish for you today. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to keep still. These two verses remind us that a vision to serve God requires trusting God to provide for what He has called you to do. It is not what we do for God that is returned in eternity. It is what He has done for us. The fifth lessons that we can learn. Day and. Do you see what happened at the Red Sea? Do you see what God is showing us? The dead end was not really a dead 
end after all. God brought the Israelites to the sea, not in order to bring them to a dead end. He brought them to an opportunity, an opportunity for them to witness God's power in action. In life, dead ends can reveal God's power and inspire our faith. As we step out into what seems to be a dead end, God wants to reveal His incredible power. And based on what we see here, the way God reveals His power is not always what we expect. We could have an idea about how God might work, but He may do something very different. You see, for those who trust in Jesus Christ, there were no real dead ends. Remember what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that all things, all things, work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Is God using your dead ends as opportunities to inspire faith in you? I should say, are you aware of what He wants to do and is doing? Today, you may be here facing what you feel are insurmountable mountains, hopeless situation, feeling overwhelmed, and that no one else understands. If you have found or do find yourself in a dead end, then please see that God wants to use it to remind you that He and He alone is your Savior. He uses these moments where we come to the end of our resources and wisdom to proclaim to us, do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish. Our dead ends should remind us God alone is Savior. Do you hear God saying that to you this morning? Are you ready to trust Him in this dead end? Sixth, God is most powerful. In closing, I will encourage you to remember that no enemy, not even Satan himself, will ever be more powerful than our great God. If we belong to Him, we are safe and secure. And even if we are persecuted or even martyred for His name's sake, we are still His and He still wins. So when it seems like there's no hope and the persecution or the trial are overwhelming, take comfort and remember that you belong to God. And neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, 
if you don't belong to Jesus, life will be overwhelming and trials will be too much to handle. Yet Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for the sin of the world. And he will welcome you into his family if you believe and put your trust in him. A relationship with Jesus is the greatest gift in the world. Receive his gift today. Amen.